Hello, friends. This is Rev Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Last week, Major League Soccer kicked off with a full slate to start its 29th season. And for my team, the Colorado Rapids, we were on the road taking on the Portland Timbers. This weekend, we're at home to face Eastern Conference foe Nashville SC. So for today's podcast, I thought I would talk a little bit about this idea and theme of home. And with a little bit of a creative twist, I have a little story to share and some biblical parallels and reflections to offer, and all of it connected into home. So stay tuned. We kick off right after this. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're on the angle. And what a goal! What a goal! Last week, I had the privilege of traveling with the team as we went to Portland for the first road game of the season. It was a good time to spend with the athletes, the coaches, and the staff. And while the result wasn't what any of us were hoping for or expecting, there were a number of moments that I thought were meaningful and helpful. A part of this for me as a chaplain was just even the experience of traveling. The road is arduous and difficult. Portland, for instance, has a great fan base. Many of their supporters cheer, chant, sing all game long. Even within the city before the game, people were noticing the Rapids gear that I was wearing, and they kept talking about the enemy coming to town and more. Portland's a special place. The environment, it's difficult for a first match of the season. And this trip gave me a renewed appreciation for the challenges of being away from home and playing a fierce opponent on the road. But this next week is different. The Rapids are back in Colorado. We have our home opener at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, and I've been reflecting on the value and benefits of being at home, and I wanted to share some of those thoughts and reflections today. So to build this up a little bit, a few years ago, I encountered a wonderful little children's story entitled The Trip to Panama. You could perhaps find a video or two on YouTube if you Google the title. Author Janosch is a pen name that Horst Eckert goes by. Uh, Eckert was born in Portland to a God-fearing mother and an alcoholic father, and Eckert's written several books sharing his childhood experiences and the tension of growing up with that abusive father and a God-fearing mother and kind of what, where all that lands in between. His writing often features topics on friendship and family relationships and the quest for the meaning of life. But the trip to Panama, entitled O Vision ist Panama in German, is part of his children's book series where the reader adventures with the little bear and the little tiger. And specifically, this book tells some wonderful truths about home. So allow me to give you a little bit of a brief summary. I, I don't want to ruin the book and the story for you because it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. But again, I encourage you, maybe find this on YouTube or even order a copy of the book. Essentially, Little Bear and Little Tiger are living their best lives. They're content. They're happy. In fact, Little Tiger says how happy we are. We have all we could wish for, and we don't have to be afraid of anything. That is until one day when a crate floats by in the stream that runs by their house. Little Bear pulls it out of the river and reads the side of the crate. Pa-na-ma, he reads. 
And oh, the crate smells like bananas. This leads Little Bear to start singing the praises of Panama and how it is the, quote, land of our dreams and, quote, we must go there, he tells Little Tiger. So the next morning, Little Bear, Little Tiger set off from home on this little adventure. And according to Little Bear, the first thing they must do as they set out is to make a signpost post, pointing the way. And so they set up this signpost. They take the, the words off the crate and, and they point it down downstream the way that the crate has come from the river. And the rest of the story is really about their adventures in seeking for the land of Panama. The friendly creatures that they meet, the things that they experience, all the new and different things as they explore, always with the thought that Panama is the land of their dreams. As the story goes, they actually make a huge circle and they come back to their quote-unquote home, but they've been gone so long, they don't recognize it. It's overgrown, it's neglected, it's run down. And when they arrive, they see the signpost that they had initially put up laying down on the ground, thinking, hey, here we are, we've, we've discovered and landed in Panama. And as Little Tiger and Little Bear set to work and make things right and fix the house and everything up, they believe the whole time that they've arrived in the land of their dreams. Well, it's a cute story. There are several themes I want to pull from this story, and I, and I want to point them out and build on them a little bit. So here's the first thing. A signpost is one of the most important parts of a journey. Now, journeys today are very different from how they used to be with GPS and satellite navigation and mobile phones. But it's important to know where one is going, whether setting out from home or returning to it. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 6, uh, we understand that Jerusalem, which has been the home for the people of God, is under siege. Typically, a message to people would be to flee to Jerusalem for refuge and safety. But things are so dire in Israel that the message is, flee from Jerusalem. So, verse 16 in chapter 6, we read this. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is exhorting the people to look for the signposts, to look for the way marks, to figure out the ancient ways, to recall from and learn from the time when the ancestors of old used to walk with God and follow him and to follow his ways. But the people were stubborn. They were resistant. They wouldn't do it. They didn't do it. So within Jeremiah 6.16, there are a couple of imperatives, a couple commands that I want to draw out. The first is this, look, look. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm following the GPS so closely, I miss the turn. Maybe because the GPS is a little bit behind, or maybe because there's multiple on or off ramps off a highway or a road. Sometimes I feel like I just need to open my eyes, pick my head up from my device and see a little bit more of the road and path that lies ahead. And certainly this is part of the command to the, to the people of God that Jeremiah is making is look, open up your eyes and see. The second is this, ask for the ancient paths. A lot of wayfaring isn't so much about just looking and taking steps yourself, but actually learning from the experience and the wisdom of others. You know, here in Colorado, if you hike one of our 14ers, you'll find little piles of stones in the higher elevations as you get up into the peaks. These stones, or cairns as they're called, are marking out the indiscernible path. You look for these to find out where and how others have gone before you. 
it helps find the path in the midst of all the mess of, of hard scrabble and rock. It helps you know where the way is to go, which is the third thing. Ask for the good way. Certainly with many trails, there can seem to exist several different paths, all leading in a general direction. But parallel paths aren't necessary, necessarily right paths. You know, we can look across and see, oh, that looks like an easier, smoother path over there, but it may not be the right the right path exactly. And it might seem like the right path because it syncs up and it it meanders or moves along the correct trail for a while. But in truth, if it's not the, the correct way or the right way, we can get off trail really quick. The fourth command is this, walk in it. It's the final imperative to actually get to doing the work of walking on the right path, the correct path, the right way, Sometimes I think this is the most difficult part of the journey, actually, in, in walking in, in the ways that God intends us to. In the tale of Little Bear and Little Tiger, in this story, as they go on their quest to find Panama, they fall victim to several of these, these challenges in these ways. First, they set up their own signpost. It's kind of ridiculous. They, they, they believe oh, Panama must be the direction from which the crate has come. And do they really know? Well, no, no, it's a fairly good guess. But as they side up, set up the signpost, it, we know later on in the story, it eventually falls over. And they think they've arrived somewhere when actually they've just gone in a big circle. They also get wrong advice as they ask others for help. And you encounter them throughout the story. They ask an old fox for help. They ask the cow, hey, which direction to Panama? They ask the raven who shows them a, a, a brilliant sight to see and a, and a way of seeing new things. They all give direction, but in some ways they all give the wrong direction, the wrong way for finding Panama, for finding the way to the land of their dreams. And my friend, I want to just share with you that God, his word, the Bible is a trustworthy source, a true signpost for getting to the land of our dreams. But let me comment on another part of this children's tale. In the midst of the journey, Little Bear and Little Tiger entail some other challenges. Namely, it starts raining, and they also get hungry. They also come across a few things, a rundown bridge and a, and a boat. And, and, and of course, these are things that they were using and, and uh, they, they were part of their home earlier. But in the midst of the trial and the ordeals that they kind of go through, they learn that each of them is gifted. There's a newfound appreciation for their friendship, their companionship, and the skills that each of them have. And these lessons kind of remind me of a couple of passages of scripture that speak to the solidarity and strength of friendship. And I want to share these with you. Proverbs 18, 24 and Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Let, let me read the Proverbs verse first. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I think as we read the story of Little Bear and Little Tiger, they are friends sticking closer than a brother. They are, in spite of maybe they, they haven't appreciated each other fully at, at certain points in the story, they come to be kind of relying on one another. And it's not that they have many friends or in some translations that, that Proverbs verse gets translated out, a person who has many friends soon comes to ruin. But really, it's, it's those kinds of friends that are fair weather. And you can see this sometimes in the, in the home crowd, right? You, you know who the fair weather fans are. They, they show up or they don't show up based on certain circumstances. 
But Proverbs tells us there are friends. There are ones who stick closer than a brother through thick and thin. Some of you have known and experienced this. You know the teammate or the, the chaplain or the coach or the person in your life, family member, a friend who doesn't care if you win or lose. They are with you in all of those moments. Well, let me read Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 and illustrate and illuminate a little bit more of this, this idea of friendship. Ecclesiastes 4 reads, uh, verse 9, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So I think even within that passage of Ecclesiastes, the writer there, probably it's Solomon, is writing about the advantage and the strength of having friendship, companionship, and having a solidarity to that friendship. That's, that's really that cord of three strands is talking about the interweaving of friendship that happens between two people. And, and there are moments when we need that significant person in our life that can stand with us uh, through a, a catastrophe, through a difficult time, because we can't go it alone. And if we try to go alone, we might really struggle. And so I think the power of friendship cannot be missed, even from our little story here, the trip to Panama and, and the friendship between little tiger and little bear. Even in the midst of life, you know, we, God made us as social beings. Even the most introverted person among us still needs to have community, companionship, friendship. Jesus himself, he had 12 disciples and close friends, but among those 12, there were three that he was closer to, like a little bit of an inner circle. And then there's, there was the one, John. John writes and describes himself as maybe how we might describe a best friend these days. He, he writes that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. So there was a, a different level of friendship and, and relationship and intimacy between Jesus and John. So Little Bear and Little Tiger in the story, they realize this newfound appreciation for the strengths of each, each one's friendship. And maybe in the context, if they had just stayed at home and never moved and never started out on this journey, they may have grown kind of complacent or started to ignore and not appreciate the beauty of the gifts that each one's friendship brought to the other. I think in the difficulty of traveling, they relearned, they experienced these gifts in a meaningful way. And you see them offer praise that, hey, it's good to have a friend that can do this. It's good to have a friend who's with you in these moments. So I think here's the lesson to be learned is that Maybe you and I need to look for a friend among us who's closer than a brother. Maybe there's a need to renew our eyes for the values of the friends that are right next to us. Maybe it's a spouse, a partner, an old friend that perhaps we've lost sight of or fallen out of touch with. And, and we've, we've struggled with the pressures and the demands of the game of football. And we just need to realize that God has even put this particular person into our lives to walk alongside of us in a difficult and trying time, and even through the joyous and, and celebratory kind of moments of the game as well. Well, a final comment on the last part of this little tale, and that is this. Sometimes it takes leaving home to better appreciate home. 
This is more than implicit in the story. Janosch makes sure that the reader understands that it took leaving home to more fully appreciate home for Little Bear and Little Tiger. If you're familiar with the story of the lost son, or, or it's otherwise entitled the parable of the prodigal son, found in the Gospel of Luke 15, and it's too much to go into the full-on story, but suffice it to say that the, one of the key differences between the younger and elder son, and hint, I'll give you a hint, both of them are really lost. They're really the lost son. The, the difference, though, is that one leaves home and discovers and becomes aware of his lostness, while the other son believes himself to be dutifully faithful and has no awareness of his lostness. The text tells us that when the younger son comes to his senses— it's the way Luke writes it. He, he realizes that the land of his dreams is really a nightmare. And the longing for home comes more to his heart and prompts his return. I encourage you, if you've, if you've not read the story of the prodigal son, uh, go to Luke 15 and read it for yourself. I, I also say, too, like if you're interested in reflecting on and studying this a little bit further, pick up a copy of Henry Nouwen's The Return of the Prodigal Son, as it's a reflective complement and commentary to this biblical parable, parable that I think has been really interesting and, and helps open your eyes to some things. But the aspects and values of home are really embodied within the Father. And certainly for the one who seeks to follow Jesus, many of us have come to realize, like the younger son, our own lostness, our need to make the return journey home. My friends, perhaps you are about to kick off the homestand. Perhaps within the Janosh tale of the trip to Panama, you might uncover some great little nuggets of truth about home. But certainly within Scripture, I believe that we can come to a fuller appreciation of home and all that God intends for us when it comes to our spiritual homes. As we close today, I want to leave you with a blessing for home. I've adapted this blessing from Ray Simpson's Celtic Blessings, and this blessing would typically be said over the entrance of a home. So I've imagined a prayer maybe at the gates of a stadium, maybe at the doorway to a locker room, maybe it's a doorway to your house, your condo, your home. Uh, maybe it's a place that, that you call home, but um, may not feel or seem like home to, to an outsider, to a stranger. W whatever the case may be, I pray that these words would be a blessing and an encouragement to you this week. May the stadium ground be built upon the rock of rocks, the rock of Christ, that no onslaught can undermine it, no ill wind can unsettle it, no earthquake might shake it. May the guardian angel welcome all who enter this place, repel all who might bring harm or evil into it, give rest and refuge and joy for all who need it. We invite you, O Christ, to be master of this home, to be master of everything and everyone in it. May the cross of Christ be between you and all that has happened here in the past and all that is to happen here in the future. Amen. Well, thanks for listening, friends. This is Rev. Brad coming to you from the Touchline.